Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. It's great to have you listening today. This is episode 12, and I'm calling this one Present Part 4, as in immerse, as in go ahead, push it open, step into it, walk through it, listen to it, see it, touch it, taste it, smell your way to the heart of this one precious, vibrant, Thick, juicy, full, wide, deep, and boundlessly life-giving moment. This is the last in the series on what it means to thrive in the present. If you've listened to the last few podcasts, you know that in episode 9, we took a, about a 30,000-foot view of things and began with the narrative of what it means to be present. As in, we thrive in the present as people who practice rhythms of Sabbath uh, by seeking margin and welcoming silence, uh, pausing to listen, pressing into thin places, and immersing in what each moment has to teach. In episode 10, I began to break that down a little bit by describing some of the ways and methods of seeking margin and welcoming silence and pausing to listen. In the last episode, uh, in episode 11, I talked about thin places, and I I told you the story of my experience of being in, as Eric Weiner has described in, uh, in one of his books, as one of those rare locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we're able to catch glimpses of the divine or the transcendent or the infinite. So in this episode, I want to talk about the last part of the present narrative, what it means to immerse uh, in what each moment has to teach. In, in my own life, as I've tried to gather up the courage to explore and embrace what each moment has to teach, I've come to understand that there's quite a bit that gets in the way. Uh, there's fear, there's apprehension, there's uh, the sense of self um, that must be dealt with. With There's the lack of confidence or the lack of understanding. And along the way, as I've wrestled with all of that, I found that if I turn those voices, those messages, those narratives around, I've taken another step toward thriving. What's helped me most is to reframe those challenges and to see fear as a friend to embrace struggle as a teacher, to understand that hope is really a powerful motivation and that, that the Spirit is our strength. And all of that reminds me that as we step into every moment ahead, we are never alone, ever, ever. We're never alone. And that's the ancient promise from the ancient one who is always present. In 1950, uh, a scholar by the name of Clive Staples Lewis, also known as C.S. Lewis, published a fantasy novel for children. We know, of course, that work now as The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was first published in best, uh, the best known of the seven novels in the series that we know as the Chronicles of Nar Narnia, and he published those between 1950 and 1956. 
Well, that particular book, that story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, and the others, I would, I would guess, um, have become uh, a kind of metaphor for a thriving life as we step into the joys and the challenges of each day. One of the lead characters, you may know this, one of the lead characters in Lewis's story is Lucy Provenzi. And Lucy has been uh, more than a hero for so many as she's faced that wardrobe and opened the doors to the present moments within it. Now, I I want you to hold on to that for just a minute. I'll say more about that in a moment. But I also want to tell you a story about a dear friend of mine who had what I like to call a wardrobe moment and how this story from C.S. Lewis became a remarkable metaphor for him and for me and for others. And I believe it can be a metaphor for all of us together. Trevor came to me for some help a few years ago. Trevor's dad was dying. And Trevor, who looked to his dad for a profound inspiration in his life, was struggling with his dad's imminent death. So Trevor and I landed together at a coffee shop. And as I sat across the table uh, and listened to Trevor's story, I heard story after story of how his dad had modeled a dad's love for him in his life, uh, had sort of uh, poured in the importance of family loyalty, had given Trevor a very sturdy work ethic. Trevor's dad and his mom as well had poured all kinds of opportunity into Trevor's life. Together, his parents had provided such a stable foundation that it, it, it held him up when, uh, when he was feeling very tenuous about things. And that foundation included a really robust expression of the importance of family, friends, and faith. But Trevor's dad was now in his last days, and the family, this very tight-knit family, was gathering around to express their deep gratitude uh, and share their profound uh, love for this man that uh, they called dad and husband and grandpa and on and on. They were in in the midst of this uh, imminent loss, and coming together to give thanks for and remember his life was remarkably powerful. And Trevor was um, experiencing some struggle with the emotions of losing his dad and carrying on the remarkable legacy that his dad would be leaving. So we talked about all kinds of things. One of the things we talked about was the power of memory. We talked about the past. Trevor remembered so many life lessons from the past and how all of those life lessons had given him uh, the strong foundation that he had. Trevor and I talked about the future and how the unknown future, um, how that might roll out without his dad's daily guidance. And then we talked about the present and how this very moment, this profoundly fertile, life-giving moment of the present is, even in the face of death, a remarkable gift. Trevor and I talked about uh, the fear that he was feeling about carrying on his life and business without his mentor uh, and the struggle he was having looking death in the 
face. And, and really, who of us gets all kinds of practice with that? I mean, it's a really significant deaths in our family. We can usually count them with just a few fingers on one hand. And we talked about uh, the hopes that Trevor had for moving on without knowing how he would do that without the support uh, that his dad always uh, provided. And we talked about the hope that he had for his future without his dad not knowing what any of that looked like. I remember Trevor looking across the table at me and this young man asking me, how do I do this? I mean, how do I navigate these days and the loss of my dad? How do I manage my feelings and emotions, my fears and apprehensions? How do I help my young family with the reality of losing a father-in-law, a grandpa, and a dad, and a husband? Trevor was asking a question about thriving, about flourishing, about experiencing life and more life. And in a sense, Trevor was asking the two questions that are are at the very foundation of this whole Thriving Rhythms project. Those two questions, who am I and what am I doing here? And somehow in, in that moment, the word immerse came to me. And I, I told Trevor that, that he couldn't skirt this issue, that he couldn't avoid the depth of this moment in his life. He couldn't go around it. He couldn't hold it off. It was coming, and he was going to have to be there and be in it. And that's when Lucy showed up. That's when the young hero of C.S. Lewis's brilliant children's story appeared. That's when we... Trevor and I, together with Lucy, arrived at the wardrobe. So I asked Trevor if he was willing to take a bit of a journey with me, and he said yes, and that's where I want to take you right now. Whatever the challenges in life might be, uh, job changes, moving into or out of a known community, the end of one chapter and the beginning of the next, the end of one relationship, beginning of another, every transition from one major decision to the next, every moment in life really, including death, every challenge, every decision brings us to the wardrobe. Trevor was standing on the front step of his ongoing life without his hero. You and me, we're like Lucy Pavenzi in the story, standing in front of that wardrobe. We have some decisions to make, don't we? And we get to decide whether to open the door to what's next or not. Like Lucy and like Trevor, we get to make the decision to walk deeply into whatever is coming next or not. So I invited Trevor, and I'm inviting you as well, to imagine the wardrobe. You're standing there facing closed doors. The two doors, they're closed. And you've got a decision to make. You can stand there just looking at the doors, or you can step closer and take hold of the two handles to open those doors. And you decide to open them. 
And now that the doors are opened, imagine, metaphorically speaking, what's inside. There's clothing inside, all kinds of stuff hanging there right in front of you. Shirts and pants and sweaters and coats and scarves and and hats. Interestingly, all things that cover us, all things that protect us. And you've got a decision to make. You can stand there just looking at all of that stuff that gets in the way of moving forward. Or you can step into it by putting your hands in the middle of all of that and pushing the two sides from the center to each side. Friends, this is not an easy decision, and there are plenty of things that challenge us at this very moment. But here's the deal. You decide to push the clothing to each side. Now imagine, metaphorically speaking, that you've parted the clothing which reveals a door on the back wall, a door that you previously did not know was there. You didn't see it, but now you do. And you've got a decision to make. You can stand there looking at it, or you can open the door on the back wall of the wardrobe, and you decide to open the door. And when it opens, it reveals a whole new world. Now imagine, metaphorically speaking, this whole new world that's opening up to you. And you've got some decisions to make. You can certainly turn around and back out. You can decide that the fear of moving forward into this new place is not worth the risk. And certainly this, this fear is not your friend. The, the struggle that you're having with grief or, or, or not, knowing the risk in all of this, all of that is not really going to teach you anything. The balance between hope and hopelessness is beginning to tip, and it's beginning to tip away from hope. And your sense of aloneness in that moment takes you out of the Spirit's presence. At least that's how you feel. And you feel like it's not worth it. So you just stand there. You can listen to your fears. You can rehearse your apprehensions. You can recall your past interactions with this very kind of moment. And you can let all of that lock you up and stall you out and stop you and maybe even turn you around. Or you can receive your very next breath as a gift from the Spirit, the one who first breathed the Spirit breath into you. And now filled with the oxygen of that Spirit, you can take just one more step into this whole new world of light and growth and life and opportunity. You can immerse yourself in it. You can go ahead, push it open, step into it, walk through it, listen to it, see it, touch it, taste it. Smell your way into it, into the heart of this one precious, vibrant, thick, juicy, full, wide, deep, and boundlessly life-giving moment. You take just one step into this whole new world of life and more life. And as you step into this place, you just pause to look around. You look up. You look to the sides. You notice everything about this moment where you are in this new place. 
Now you're there and imagine your life. Your life is not a metaphor and neither are you. Your life is a gift and you are a child of God. You are filled with the breath of the Spirit and the divine spark has ignited another day of life for you today. So you get to step into it. You get to walk deeply into it. And you get to know that the one who has breathed deeply into you continues to open you up to life and more life. The one who invites you forward walks deeply into this day right along with you. You see, when we're willing to immerse ourselves in the present moment, we begin to flourish and thrive at deeper levels. We often run from fear because we don't know what's there. I mean, it's, it's an age-old understanding. We fear what we can't see. But, but when we steal ourselves, when we, we steal ourselves just a bit and remain in the moment for the moment, we begin to learn from it because every moment is our teacher. Think about Lucy. Think about Trevor. Instead of backing away from the unknown, you know, they, they may not have just initially run into it. They just stood there. And there's no shame in running, friends, really. There's no shame in running. Frankly, responding to fear by running has kept us alive for years, for centuries, for eons. But have you ever had a moment like that where you decided just to remain in it? A job that's challenging you, a boss that's challenging you, a a performance review that's causing you to lose some sleep, maybe it's a driver's test, traveling to Israel, I don't know, giving birth, really, I don't know, taking a midterm, whatever it is. Maybe you're standing at the sink doing dishes and your apprehension about just going into the afternoon is so foreboding. Or maybe you're waiting for the results of a medical test. You know how you just want to crawl under a blanket and hide? Well, there's a door in the wardrobe, and it's asking you to open it. When you remained in the moment, you discovered a new depth within you, and it didn't overwhelm you. You know that phrase, if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger? Well, maybe. Probably, because immersing ourselves in this moment opens up a whole new world for us. People have been uh, part of the uh, the Jesus tradition, um, the Judeo-Christian faith, uh, have been living into these kinds of moments forever. Thomas Merton, uh, an author, speaker, and a Trappist monk, once wrote about these kinds of moments as an encounter with the divine, with Christ. And he said, true encounter with Christ liberates something in us, a power we did not know we had, a hope, a capacity for life, a resilience, an ability to bounce back when we thought we were completely defeated, a capacity to grow and change, a power of creative transformation. The only thing between you and me and that kind of transformational moment is often a decision, a decision to move ahead. I've often said that three of the most strategic and important words in the Hebrew Scriptures are, so Abram went. You can find those three words in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 of the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. But so Abram went provides a way of looking at the art of making strategic and important decisions every day. God challenges Abram with a road trip. Abram will leave everything safe, secure, and known, and he'll head into the dangerous, risky, and unknown. Hearts are pounding, right? 
God says to him, leave your country, your family, and your home. I mean, what's not secure about that? Well, everything. But along with the challenge to leave his country, his family, and his home, and that's sort of that's sort of scriptural speak for everything that made him who he was. Along with the challenge to do all that, God also provided something else. He provided a promise. God says, I will provide a new place for you. And that's all about a place to be and a place to become. He promised that to Abram. God says, I will make of you a great nation. This is about bringing our spirited influence into wherever we are in order to bring new life and aliveness to others. God says, I will make of you uh, or make you a blessing to others. And this is about bringing impact, not just to make a difference in the world, but to make a different world altogether. God says, I will multiply blessing through you. Friends, this is about creating a momentum for peace and justice in the world. You know, Abram must have sensed that this, this would be a tall order, but we know two things for sure. Abram went and God made good on the promises. The best way to make difficult decisions like this, the best way to make a decision to step through that back door of the wardrobe is to ask ourselves four strategic questions and important questions. First, will my response to God's call bring a deepening sense of being and becoming in and through my life? Second, will my response to God's call allow me to bring my own unique influence into the lives of others? Three, will my response to God's call create a positive impact on the lives of the people involved in this decision? And four, will my response to God's call to step through that back door, through the back of the wardrobe into a new reality? Will my responding to God's call to do that bring the blessing of life and aliveness to everyone? Well, on the day of the memorial service for Trevor's dad, um, Trevor spoke at the service. I went, I attended, and I have to say, it was one of the most remarkable moments I've ever experienced in a memorial service. Trevor was honest, he was strong, he was courageous, he was vulnerable, he was funny. And it was like he picked up an entire room of people in their grief, picked them up just a bit and carried them through their grief for just that little while. Afterward, on the way to the graveside, um, I sent Trevor a text message, and I, I just asked him a question. I said, how are you doing? And he texts back one word. I got the text message back, and it said, immersed. Trevor was immersed in it, and he was thriving. Friends, we thrive in the present as people who practice rhythms of Sabbath and seek margin and welcome silence. Pause to listen, press into thin places, and immerse in what each moment has to teach. And as you consider that, let me ask you some questions. What, what wardrobe door are you facing? What's keeping you from opening that door? 
What's keeping you from stepping through that door? What kinds of fears or apprehensions are hanging in that wardrobe when you've opened it that are in the way? What, what keeps you from pushing those things to the side and stepping through? What's it like to stare down the challenge that you're staring down right now as you stare at the back wall of the wardrobe that just needs a little push to open? What's going on right in that moment for you? When you've done this before, because we've all done this before at one point or another, when you've pushed through the back door into that new reality, how does that feel? You feel courageous? You feel confident? Do you feel scared? Do you feel alone? My guess is that it's a mix of all of that for all of us. So maybe moving into the week ahead, maybe it's maybe it's a mantra, maybe it's a just a phrase, a sentence that you can that you can hold on to. Maybe maybe that phrase or sentence is this, I'm at the door and I'm going in. I'm at the door and I'm going in. Or maybe it's this, I'm pressing ahead and I'm not alone. What would it be like if that was what carried you through the day? Or I'll press ahead and I won't fall back. Or maybe I'm immersing myself in this. Those are some powerful things to consider as we step into an unknown future, each of us, each day. As we stand in front of that wardrobe, whatever that is, we open those doors, we see what's in the way, we part those things, and then we face that one more door, we push open the back door of the wardrobe, and we step into this bright, lighted place of life and more life. I want to encourage you to do that. So that, my friends, is my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's enough for now. That's a bit about what it means to immerse in what each moment has to teach. We'll continue next time with a new rhythm. We'll start this all over again, a new rhythm, the rhythm of gratitude. And oh my, great stuff awaits. I want to invite you to... Uh, Visit the website, uh, www.paulgoshade.com. You can find there uh, the uh, 10, uh, 100 Days, 50 Words project that's unfolding. Uh, you can read about rhythms, thriving rhythms. Thanks, as always, to a great team who make this happen, uh, Lisa Gustafson and Darren Hensel. And the guys in the Snarky Puppy Band, they're kind enough to let us use their amazing tune, What About Me, for the bumper music on either end of this podcast. They're going to be in Minneapolis this weekend. I'm going to be there, and I hope you will be too, May 25th, 8.30 at the Palace Theater. Be there or, well, just be there. And now uh, a blessing for you, dear friends, as you move through this day. May you discover what it means to thrive as a child of God, being present and immersing in this moment, finding life and more life. As you practice rhythms of Sabbath, seek margin, welcome silence, pause to listen, press into those thin places, and immerse in what each moment has to teach. And remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance order, rhythm, and harmony. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here really soon. 